Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Heavy Metal Crayons. From the same heathens that brought you jazzy gel pens and mariachi markers, try brand new Heavy Metal Crayons. Why color with boring old red when you can use lamb's blood or demon horn? Chant your vengeful mantras and pine for terminal desolation while using the all-new fire and flame shade of orange. We've even managed to identify the colors of anarchy and torture. Also, be sure to try the new Prince of Darkness edition, which is just 666 shades of black, including abyss, witch hunt, sin, and eternal death. Damnation. Heavy metal crayons. Patent pending. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Edgar Allan Potpourri. Want to freshen up your bleak existence? Try new Edgar Allan Potpourri, the avant-garde line of room-freshening essence. With new scents like Annabelle Lemon, Rose Gold Bug, and Cherry Pit in the Pendulum, you'll be able to fend off that gothic sense of impending death and you'll smell great doing it. Quoth the Raven, this room smells fantastic. Edgar Allan Potpourri. Patent pending. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero is brought to you by the Bridges and Hose Pants Emporium. Are your jeans obscene? Do you look whack in your slacks? Come on down to Bridges and Hose and choose from a wide variety of legwear. We also offer on-site embroidery in case you want to look especially ridiculous. And if you've got a rip in your drawers, Bridges and Hose can be stitching your clothes. We'll put new stitches in your britches. Located downtown, we're right next to the Pitches and Throws batting cage. Remember, britches ain't shit with Lederhosen and Tricks. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by that new Broadway smash, Rage Against the Vending Machine. Follow our hero, Tom Morello Yellow, as he leads the people of the Sunkist in a quest for socio-political justice, which is eclipsed only by his quest for snacks. Come rally around the family with a pocket full of Skittles and sing along with such sugary classics as Kit Kat in the Name of, Spree Now in the Fire, Renegades of Fanta, and Fistful of Starbursts. Rage Against the Vending Machine. Mountain Dew what they told you. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swan, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know I got to get paid. High five! Back to right center, and the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, back to right. Welcome to the show. Twenty-five lighters for my twenty-five folks. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert.
Hey everybody, welcome to one episode of the Platinum Sombrero that we hope you will never forget. Brought to you one final time by Sports Drink. That's right, this is the finale. Episode 173. 162 episodes plus 11. Coincidentally, the same number of games that led the Braves to becoming World Series champions. That's right. Very somber moment for everybody as uh, this will be the last episode for the Platinum Sombrero, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't want to make any promises, but joining me one final time under the Platinum Sombrero banner, my best friend, the best co-host I could have asked for, and the real driving force behind TPS, Doc Herbert. Hello, Dylan Short. I am very sad. I am very sad about the fact that we have to hang it up. I feel like I should come clean about the fact that, at first, this was my idea, um, and at second and third, because I've tried to quit the show like four times, just due to uh, <laughs> scheduling <laughs> scheduling conflicts over the years. Um, most recently, it was in uh, June of this past year. If you look back at our release schedule, we had uh, really kind of started spreading the episodes out. Um, and part of it was because it's it was kind of difficult to find positive things to talk about uh, during the season. But at the same time, I took a new job in March, and it has been... Um, I love my job, but it, it is a challenge. Uh, the the time is, is a challenge, and I have always wanted to um, give as much as I can to the show and be prepared, and um, I just kind of can't do that anymore. So when I came to Dylan last June, I think it was after episode, I don't know, 156 or whatever the number was. It was, it was close to 162. I said, we have an opportunity here to kind of put a, a nice little bow on things. 162 is a logical end based on our release schedule for how we've been doing it the past two, two months. Then we can end right at 162 and have that be it. And of course, at the time thinking, well, you know, the team is 30 and 35. We're probably not going to the playoffs this year. So we're probably not going to have to consider the playoffs. And to which Dylan said, understood, you know, at the time Carter was uh, 11 months old and it from I have no kids but I understand it only gets a little more difficult as you go I can actually I can hear him in the background right now um, but but you had said to me like I get it I understand I also don't have the time but if we quit now we will always wonder if we just quit because the team was bad and that really stuck with me and it still took a while for the team to to get better but you know couldn't have possibly worked out any better than it did you know and so in the spirit of putting a nice tidy bow on things the farther we have gotten from the the world series and and it's the the off season there was only like that that one month frenzy or really about a one week frenzy of free agent signings and then the lockout has been going on for so long so we haven't recorded uh it's been almost two months and the more i think about having a logical spot to leave off. There hasn't been a repeat champion in 21 years. So uh, maybe the Braves win the World Series again next year, but just based on the odds, probably not. So um, this is as good a place to leave as any. So I had come to Dylan two weeks ago and I said, I, I think this, this is finally it. I, I think there, it'll never be a good time, but because of that, that means there will never be a better time. And I was very sad about that. And then I found out that 
Dylan is not going to do the show without me for reasons we can't reveal yet. So the, it's very serendipitous. It's it's bittersweet. You know, I'm I'm going to miss a, a million things about the show, but um, we get to go out as champions. And I think that that's if you're ever wondering why. Uh the both of us, but probably me especially, were so bullish on last year. There's there's a fair chance there was a little bit of bias that I wanted. Uh, I, I wanted what I was from June on. I knew was going to be Doc's last season to be uh, to, to go out well because I wasn't looking forward to doing this show uh, without Doc. Also, uh, I was not going to open up to another co-host. It was just going to be me. And then uh, I've got some things in the works that uh, I should be able to announce next week uh, about about some future things for myself <clears throat> that uh, we'll leave TPS uh, we'll, we'll leave TPS an, as a nice little originator uh, I've done some other shows you guys know I was doing Locked On for three years but uh, really TPS was uh, was my pride and joy uh, I did Shellshocked for a while with my friend Jaquan um, one of my favorite people in the world fantastic guy loved that show too but uh, TPS w- was my baby uh, and uh, it really kind of morphed into both of ours from that first day where, God, we probably took four hours just planning out what our show name was going to be, and then it took me probably two and a half, three hours of putting together what I really do strongly feel is the best intro intro in all of the Braves podcasts. Uh, very proud of that. We've had a lot of people on the show. The show has kind of changed a lot from the time that we first started. If any of you, I know there, there's a lot of you that have been with us from the very beginning, and I just have to say, uh, Thank you, because those first episodes for about the first few months, maybe even the first season, were uh, it, it took a it took a little bit for us to truly, truly hit our stride and find out what our sweet spot was. Uh, just talking about three hour long episodes, four. We actually had a couple that were four hour long episodes. Uh, we were running through guests weekly, which was a lot of fun to do. Not so fun to try to coordinate and make sure that everything got handled. Uh, to where beginning-wise, at the beginning, it was me doing all of the editing and everything. Um, as you can imagine, a time before Carter, where <laughs> I actually had the time to sit yeah. down and do stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then Doc just getting bored and wanting to learn how to do it, and all of a sudden picked it up super quickly. Uh, I still remember, by the way, the first episode that you edited yourself. And it took you, last I could remember, probably five or six hours, and you texted me back and forth nonstop all night about editing the show together and about trying to make the time signatures absolutely perfect and take out breaths and everything. Uh, To where I just kind of told you, hey, man, uh, that's really good work ethic. That is way more than I'm doing, so just roll it out and let it fly. Uh, It it has been a true collaboration. Uh, As everybody who's listened to me knows, I tend to ramble a little bit. Doc gave me the structure to uh, actually lead this show to where we've got it now. And this is a very sad moment. Uh, there, there was some thought for a little bit that I was just going to keep the show going on my own for a little bit uh, and then probably retired after this year. But I've got some, like I said, I've got some other stuff coming up um, that was going to make recording TPS impossible. Uh, so I didn't want to water it down. I'd really, I didn't want to hand it off to anybody else at all. So we are going to retire it after this episode but the stream will remain on uh, on art 19 and any of the other platforms so you'll be able to if you just feel like reminiscing along with us you'll be able to tune into any and old episodes uh with this being the finale episode we're not going to really touch on current events i know the the players in mlb they had a meeting today didn't last long whatever there, there's 
not a lot of new news, but there's you know little little droplets here and there. Um, we're not going to talk about those today. There's a bunch of other podcasts. I'm sure that'll cover it. Uh, we're just going to spend this episode reminiscing about our favorite moments over the four seasons that we have done TPS. Uh, and I think, I think the best place to start it off, we've gone 1,449 days for the Platinum Sombrero. Didn't quite make it as long as our buddies at ABT. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we had, we had the perfect run where we made the playoffs every year and the team got better every single season. And I, that, that's something that's hard to do. And once you win it all, there's only one way to go from there. Uh, so it, it was very serendipitous last year for the, for the team to pull out a Winter World Series in the back of our minds knowing that at least one half of the team was done. Uh, most likely both, because doing it on my own probably wouldn't have turned... Not probably, it would not have been the same type of show. Uh, would not have been as enjoyable. So when Doc says he tried to quit, it didn't take a lot of convincing to, to get him to stay on. Uh, it, was, it was like he was just kind of looking for me to uh, give him one reason to stay. So... Uh, don't uh, don't let him act like I dragged him to to do this show. It was pretty simple and pretty easy. Braves overall went three ten and two thirty five in our time together. Uh, and and just looking back at all the stuff that's happened in that four year stretch run, uh, Doc wrote out a little paragraph here, and we'll touch on that a little bit deeper as we go. But Doc, this show sheet for anybody that that's just catching us fairly soon, if you haven't, if you don't know already. Doc does all of the pre-show work. Like we'll talk, we'll text a lot, uh, or we used to before, you know, before we were olds and had jobs and children and all sorts of like things where you could basically block off a two-minute window to pee, and that's about all the free time you had for a day. Um, and when there was a season going on, we would text pretty much all the time. But Doc is the one who would go through and structure it out in our show sheets so that I didn't sound like a complete fool. When we, when we sat down here to record. So uh, Doc is the partner that made me sound, uh, if, you, if you like how I sound, uh, Doc is responsible 100% for it. If you don't like the way I sound, then that's still not on Doc. That's still probably just me. Um, but Doc wrote this, so I'm going to let him read it off, and then we'll start reminiscing a little bit more uh, as we say. But Doc, the floor is yours, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to like just kind of go back to the beginning and, and see, like it's easy to say, like wow, how much, how much has changed in four years? I mean, just on a personal level, it's just it's unbelievable how, how far we both have come, but this being a Braves podcast and I don't know how many people are listening for me or are listening for you. I feel like most people are listening for the Braves. So let, let us, let me put these, these things in context. When we started, Alex Anthopoulos had not presided over one game as the GM of the Braves, Ronald Acuna, Mike Soroka, Tuki Toussaint, Bryce Wilson, all still in Gwinnett. Kyle Muller, I think was in Rome. Uh, the pitching prospect that we were the most excited about was Luis Gahara. Ozzy Albies and AJ Minter had just showed up. They came up in August of 2017. Oscar Inoa was not ranked in the Braves' top 30. Everybody still hated Luke Jackson. Max... <laughs> <laughs> With a little bit more reason at that time. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> Max Freed uh. still had not cracked the big league rotation. They brought him up and he pitched out of the bullpen. It wasn't until 2019 that he, he finally cracked that. Opening day third baseman in 2018 was Ryan Flaherty, which I had forgotten about that. 
Um, I forgot that in April of 2018, it was a, he was uh, basically Mike Trout. Um, Dansby had been sent back down at the end of 2017, and Camargo looked like he was taking over. And this was just before he had that three-and-a-half war season in 2018. Uh, Julio Tehran was the opening day starter, and Tyler Matzik was still pitching an indie ball. So, just... You can pick any of those statements, and and it's a it's a great example of just how far things come. And you know, we we got lucky the the way that we timed it. I mean, it's it's easy to look back at the 2017 Braves farm farm system and just say this team is obviously going to be really good sometime in the next couple years. So um, we weren't the the only Braves podcast that, that started then, but um, you know, we get we got really lucky. They'd been 72 and 90 the previous year and then they went 90 and 72 in in 2018 and uh you know we we would make fun of of the other podcasts not not make fun of them uh in particular not calling them out by name but just making fun of the volume but it it was kind of like you know don't step on my toes we have 40 fans you can't have like six of them because that's a significant amount um but also, like, I looking back, I, I kind of I get it, you know? Like, who wouldn't want to capitalize on a team that was on the up and up and would have players like Acuna and Albies and Freddie, who who stuck around and had, had been such a such a staple of the organization for the longest time? And um, yeah, we we got really really lucky with the with the way that we timed things, and we got to see the evolution. Like, we some of you know. Not everybody gets into prospects. You and I certainly did, but those of us who, when things bottomed out around about the All-Star break in 2014, and we just kind of limped to the finish of that year, and that's when all the sell-off started and collecting prospects. I mean, it was, hope was it, you know? Or, yeah, it, that was that was what so many people had. And so, hearing about this really tiny, maybe shortstop, maybe second baseman named Ozzy, uh, you know, that one day he's going to come up and he's going to be just this great little slap hitter, probably not with a lot of power, you know, which wound up being hilarious. And, uh, you know, you, you just, you trace it all the way, the development all the way from Rome, all the way up through the the farm system. And then they, they make their big break and then they stick around and they get you a World Series. I mean, the the level of attention that it takes to follow a prospect through, through the development, you know, I remember, I remember watching uh, the the 2015 draft. That was like the first year I got really, really into the draft, and uh, you know, watching watching the Braves take Colby Allard, who eventually got traded for Chris Martin, and take Mike Soroka and Austin Riley, and then taking Lucas Herbert and with the 54th pick, and he never made it to the majors, and it broke my heart. It was the only chance for a Braves Herbert non customized jersey. Uh, that I was ever really going to get, and then with the next pick, they took AJ Minter. Uh, you know, like that that draft was was such a such an awesome thing. And Soroka's injury history has been very uneven. Um, we saw Riley just come up and be a star this year. We we still don't know if he's going to sustain that into into next year. Um, but it's been so awesome just watching these guys. Like these are children when we started paying attention to them, and now they're grown men and world series champions and you know snitker has has evolved as a manager and just he's he's never going to be like the the new school analytics guy but he has 
opened himself up to that. And and I we criticized a lot of the decisions that he would make. Um, it was never criticizing him as a man because I think we always really recognized how good he was as a clubhouse leader. But sometimes the decisions left a lot to be desired. And, and when you get better options, you can make better decisions. But he has become a better decision maker. And and even even with that, it just – he was always the right guy for the job. Even when we didn't want to admit it's, it, he was always the right guy for the job. Uh, it's funny, going back way, way back in the tank here to uh, November seventeen or November 14th of 2017, I had, uh, I had sent out a DM to a Blue Jays writer by the name of Ian Hunter uh, trying to get a feel for Alex Anthopoulos. And this was before we had, had started up. We'd started up in March, I believe, was our first episode. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to figure some things out as far as what uh, what we could think about for Donaldson or for for uh, for Alex, and uh, this was what I had asked. I had said in my in my head, I just wanted to get a, a sense of what he was into uh, as far as like what what his what he valued, like slugging percentage, OPS wise, um, things like that, and potential targets. I'm thinking I'd, I'd wrote down Josh Donaldson, Jay Bruce, uh, uh, Frazier, or Corey Dickerson. And I was asking if I'm on the right track. And uh, Ian Hunter uh, replied to me pretty much right away. He said, maybe not Donaldson or Bruce, but Dickerson would fit his template. For the most part, had limited budget to work with in Toronto, so he wasn't able to be aggressive in the free agent market. Often had to make creative trades for guys who were out of favor in their current orgs, like Colby Rasmus, Brett Lowry, Yunel Escobar. There's a name that rings some bells. Uh, that would apply to Donaldson as well. But from his history, covets his prospects pretty highly. Did a good job of rebuilding the Blue Jays' farm system. Honestly, he may just let 2018 play out with the current crop of Braves to see what they're capable of. Can't see him making splashy moves during his first offseason. But after a few years, if the Braves are on the cusp, it wouldn't surprise me if he cashed in a bunch of prospects like he did with the Marlins blockbuster in 2012, the Dickey trade, and all of the moves to the 2015 deadline. So... A lot of that, pretty much on the money. Um, but I think we can safely say he still covets his prospects. Yeah, really. Um, Jeez. As much as you and I talked about that ad nauseum still never in happened. certain years. It still never happened. Still hasn't <laughs> happened. The the super aggressive guy, I don't know that he's ever been super aggressive signing a free agent on the cusp unless you consider the Donaldson deal to be super aggressive. You and I don't generally consider one-year deals to be super aggressive. Um, but I got a title. And that's really... That right there is all it says. That there's times where Alex irritates me to no end. Uh, there are times where I just can't stand that style. I've talked about it at length. I'm just not particular. Like his drafting strategy of players in the last few seasons has not been my particular strategy, which is why I, te- I tend to be so against it. But there's no denying Alex's strategy has worked. The Braves farm system isn't as good as it was when we started and even the, the couple of years after. But that's what happens when a team gets good and those guys start to graduate to the big league roster. And we've talked about it a lot over the course of the years. About when you look at this team, just how much of them are, are guys that came up through the system. Uh, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, Waskar, uh, Tukey. We had Sean Newcomb, who was good for like two months. Uh, Dansby, Ozzy, Ronald. Uh, th- there's so many of them. The list just goes on and on and on about guys that essentially were, were brave system guys and have just been able to, to actually stick on a big league roster. Which in and of itself is pretty, it's, it's a lot harder to do than people think. Most of your prospects are going to fail, but the Braves have done a, a great job 
at having guys go to the bigs, and it's been a lot of fun to cover. Uh, some of those earlier shows, that 2018 season was such a weird one to cover because we had no idea what to expect. We had said, I can't remember which one of us said it. I think I might have actually said this. Uh, right, said that they were a lot like the Brewers teams from the season before, where they weren't really supposed to be playoff bound. They were about a year or two ahead of schedule, and they came in. And of course, that 2018 season, that was such a that that was such a big deal postseason, just because we'd been on such such bad losing streaks since 2015. The team had gotten so bad, and we were finally starting in, in 17 and 18, end of 17, and, and pretty much most of 18 to get some young players in there and see some hope. Uh, you got your taste of Ronald Acuna in 18, and all he did was hit one of, I would say, one of the top three most memorable moments for the Atlanta Braves in the last 10 years. Uh, that grand slam in the playoffs off of Walker Bueller when he should have uh, he should have been walked yeah. to walk in a run, yeah. and instead the umpire decided to to give Walker Bueller an obvious ball and give him a strike for it, and Acuna made him pay on the next pitch. You were at that game, which I'm still going to say I'm the mo- it's the most jealous I've ever been. Uh, if there were one baseball moment that I want to be in the stands for, that is the one moment in Atlanta that I would want to be there for. Uh, because just I was watching it in, in bed with my wife, no Carter at the time. I think we were 26 at the time, 26, 27. Um, but uh, the, how loud that stadium got, I'd never heard that before here in Atlanta. Uh, one, of, one of my all-time favorite Braves moments. We, see, we got to see uh, Mike Fultonevich. Uh, he threw a Maddox. He had that game against the Giants where I think you covered that game or you were in the stands that day. Uh, one of those one of those really good games for him where it looked like he was about to turn a corner in, what was that, 2019? Uh, was it 2018 or 19? 2018 was his all-star year. It was when he had that, yeah, 2018, when he had, I think it was like a three-and-a-half-worst season on his own. It was a phenomenal year, and we thought the sky was the limit for Fulte, and all of a sudden the uh, – the, the wheels fell off that train, <laughs> but that was uh, that was the year of Mike Fulton That was the year of uh, of, of Johan Camargo being a three and a half uh, F four player. Where he, I was dead certain he was going to surpass Dansby and supplant him, and that didn't work out well. Uh, but there was there were so many things that have happened over the four years that we've done this show. I mean, the twenty eighteen things aside, let's not forget our very first moment the first game in our history as a podcast was a nick markakis walk-off home run i let me say that again yeah for the two of us very outspoken on our thoughts on nick markakis <laughs> you can find them all over the place yeah the very first moment was a nick markakis walk-off home run that game was i remember watching it and i'd been so excited about um just about the team, even even knowing all that that whole paragraph that I had just said about everything that was uh, that was going on at the time, you know, with everybody being brand new, and I just remember getting really frustrated because it was we were down five nothing going into the bottom of the sixth, and this was the Aaron Nola sixty eight pitches game, and that game set the tone for so much of the first two years of. Of when the team got good again, because they won that game eight to five. They they scored two runs in the bottom of the sixth, three in the bottom of the eighth, and then three on the Marquecas walk off. So and and that the never quit with Snit thing it happening on opening day and carrying forward. I mean, how many not just comebacks, but huge, improbable comebacks where it's like 
down that whole season. Yeah, like down six two in the bottom of the eighth, and you win eleven to six, or you know you you tie it on the in the bottom of the ninth, you take it into the twelfth, and Ozzy hits a walk off against Cincinnati, or you know the was it whatever day Willie Nelson played here in 2018, that was the same day that it was the bottom of the ninth comeback where Dansby hit the walk-off down the left field line um, where they won like 10 to nine or something. Um, we were the cardiac kids in 2018. They were doing that all the time. And they, and once they kind of got their swag in 2019, they did that a lot too. Um, just some great comebacks over the years. And, you know, I got lucky enough for, you were talking before about 2018 being such a weird year. That was, you know, I wrote for Talking Chop for three years too. So I I covered Soroka's debut and Tukey's and Bryce's and like all, every debut, I don't, it, they all happened on Mondays. That was like my designated day to write. And I got, I got to, apparently that was the Braves designated day to call also, pitching prospects. <laughs> you also didn't have the best luck when it came to prospect debuts. Well, and don't forget the 2020 season, which was, it was like the Fultonavich implosion and the last start that he ever made for the Braves, the Soroka injury, losing 14 to one to Baltimore. It was like one after another, after another. And every single week <laughs> it kept getting worse. But the last game I ever wrote up was the Bryce Wilson, 2020 NL CS game four gym, you know, that was the, that was a, I'm all about the tidy, the good place to end. Right. And that was like, who knows if Bryce had completely sucked in that game, I might still be writing right now. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it just, that, that Marcakis game set the tone and we, you know, we gave him a lot of guff and then it, our show would still do because he wasn't that great of a right fielder for the Braves outside of that one season. No, that's that's true. And and Nick Markakis kind of became like a cult of personality uh, type type thing. It was um, our show would not exist without Twitter, you know, because right. that's we right. we met through there for, and it's it's a love hate relationship for sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's the it's the best place to to get information quickly, but it's also just this cesspool of negativity and. You may have noticed that during the offseason, I've been trying to spend to not spend a lot of time there because I I value my happiness in this lifetime. Um, but yeah, Nick Markakis it, it was at the the apex of some of the greatest Twitter battles in in uh, Braves Twitter <laughs> history. Um, but but yeah, I mean, but he served his purpose, and you know, it's it's a shame. It is a shame that he didn't get a ring. He because he. If he had held out just a little bit longer, you know, he he deserved one. Nick Markakis is a good baseball man, and and he deserved that. But um, as far as like particular moments, I'm trying to think back of like the Acuna Grand Slam. I mean, I was there with my dad. I still remember the look we gave each other. It was, you know, it's just one of those like that that was just as important as the, you know, the holy shit, can you believe? Can you believe what we just saw? And I was genuinely scared for everybody's safety. I mean, it was the first playoff game in the history of Truist Park. It was the loudest it had ever been. So I'm thinking, how good's the infrastructure here? You know, are we about to are we about to land on people? Um, I do remember being at another game that was particularly no- notable during which Ronald Acuna hit a grand slam. This was June 9th, 10th of 2019, where Joe Musgrove threw inside of Josh Donaldson, and then Donaldson decided he wanted to fight all of the Pirates. 
<laughs> Which was hilarious. We should set up because at this point, Donaldson had been horrendous. Yeah, he'd been really and bad. And was looking like a like an awful signing at the time. And uh, he picked this moment to for something that that obviously Joe Musgrove wasn't throwing at him. It was obvious. It was a breaking ball he lost. I still remember this pitch. It was a breaking ball he lost, the handle on it, and it stayed inside. And Donaldson got pissed off about it, clearly because he wasn't playing well and he wanted to kind of jolt himself. And it worked. From that point on, Josh Donaldson started crushing. The Braves moved him in the order. They moved him down a little bit and let Freddie start batting in front of Donaldson. All of a sudden, Josh Donaldson started being the Josh Donaldson that we paid for. I remember that moment. That was uh, that was right around the time where he started bringing out the umbrella. Yeah, and like EY doing the, the rain thing on him as he would round yep. first base. Yep. And that that was right around that time. That celebration just kept getting incrementally more ridiculous. Like as every week went by, that was you know now he's running he's running through the dugout with an actual umbrella and and Fulty's <laughs> throwing confetti at him. Like what is happening? <laughs> and Sn- somebody asked Snit about it, and he's like, "What are you talking about? Are they doing that in there? Like, are you not paying attention? <laughs> like, how could you miss this? Well, like that was such a marked change for the Braves, who were always one of the most buttoned up teams in baseball." Like we all we heard forever about the Braves way, and people hate that term, and how it, now it's kind of become synonymous with not having any fun and being boring. Uh, and then it was really that Josh Donaldson led team, and and you could you could say Acuna a little bit, um, but really it was Donaldson that kind of broke down that barrier. That then all of a sudden everybody started getting on getting in on it. Before it was just like the Freddie hug, and that was cute and lovable. But then it was Donaldson where you'd start seeing like over-the-top celebrations. This was before people started pimping their home runs and doing the the Tim Anderson throw your bat at the dugout type thing. This was like just just random out of nowhere. Is, is, is he got an umbrella right now? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> and, that, and, now, so and now it has graduated into – then there was the mix-it-up thing, and then there was the panda head, and then there was the swords where it's like must-have-a-gimmick. At all times. I love it. I love how loose it seems in that dugout all the time. And one other thing that you and I got to watch together at your house, by the way, was one of those Marlins games uh, where Kevin Gossman threw behind Jose Urania. Yep. And uh, that was an Ozzy Albies Grand Slam game. Yep, I do. I do remember that very well. I mean, we, the poor Marlins... I mean, they they earned all of this. Victimized them so bad. But like, you look at over the past couple years, there were like a couple of different walk offs. There was the the Gossman thing, which was just dude, that was hilarious. That you that was hilarious. You threw at him and missed him badly. Like, not you. (laughs) Your job is that that's a big target. You know what I mean? So. yeah, it was Acuna breaking their stadium. Acuna breaking the stadium. There was the twenty-nine to nine game. There was getting we beat them in the playoffs in twenty twenty, which was just another you know. Then Snit, God, say say what you will about Snit's managing style. When Acuna got hit during that streak, which which was another thing. August twenty eighteen, Ronald Acuna was like bonds. Pretty much, that there was like that. Yeah, fun. where he had what? Like he had he had eight leadoff home runs that one season. It was yeah. It was uh, he's already like tracking like he's gonna catch Ricky, you know. Which as it's it's absolutely insane. Yeah, as far as unattainable records go, I mean this one's uh, this is this one isn't quite fifty six game hitting streak or twenty six hundred straight games played, but uh, you're not gonna get a whole lot of leadoff hitters that got the same type of pop as Ricky Henderson and Ronald Acuna. So. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just he turned it on that month, and uh, and seeing um, as soon as Urania hit him, being obviously worried about the fact that he got hit like on the wrist or the hand, because this was two months after he had his that scare in Boston where it looked like his entire knee just exploded, and so here comes Snitker out of the dugout, and you know he, he just is the brightest red, you know what I mean, and he is losing his mind at Don Mattingly, he's losing his mind at Arania and the umps, and he's screaming at Teron Guerrero for some reason, like, dude, he was in the bullpen, he didn't have anything to do with this, <laughs> you know, I mean, just everything about our relationship with the Marlins the past couple of years has been, has been so tense, and luckily, up until now, I mean, not knock on wood, these types of things don't last forever, but I mean, it's been largely one-sided, and, th- and there's going to come a time, we've alluded to this, there's going to come a time the Marlins are going to be really, really, really good in like the next two years. So these these things where it tends to go our way all of the time, that might be going away a little bit. So just be prepared. The, the universe loves to even things out sometimes. So I would be very wary of the Marlins in the late innings between now and 2026. Now, obviously, we've covered a lot with the Braves in these last four years, and... Uh... We've done a lot of episodes, 173, which we uh, honestly, um, I don't think that we actually planned it originally to pl- to end on 173. It just kind of happened, and it just kind of lined up perfectly from the universe here. Um, but just looking back, we've had so many different people on. And by the way, thank you to everybody that's been on of our on our shows. Um, really appreciate everybody that's been on them. Um, who are some of the what are some of the favorite shows that you've had in our time? I, re- I remember reaching out to Jim Callis, just total Hail Mary. We had done three episodes. Our guests were Gabe Burns, who wound up being a, a recurring friend of the program and just a, an absolute joy to talk to at all times. Uh, then we had Shout out to Gabe Burns with the new job at the AJC. That's right. He's covering all sports. Yeah, he's, he's moving on up. Uh, and then we had Eric Cole and Josh Brown, definitely designed to just troll each other at the time, and it worked. Um, but so we had three episodes. We had no listeners. We had there was no reason for for Jim to even respond to my message, and I just threw a hail mary. I was like, "How would you feel about coming on and talking some baseball?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure. I'd actually, I'd love to. How much time do you need? Like an hour?" And I'm like, oh, "I would have taken five minutes." Oh my God, you know, and <laughs> whatever time you can give us. Yeah. And, and it wound up just, and it's, it's not a big deal. I mean, he's a baseball guy. Baseball guys want to talk baseball. So it was nothing to him, but at the time, like I, I've really struggled with, um, with my mental health some over the years. And at the time I was really struggling with it. So I was nervous to even reach out. Like, what if he says no type type stuff. Right. Um, and just the, not just the, the positive response, but like the super generosity, I was like, well, if this guy that works for MLB pipeline and is pretty reputable is willing to come on, well, you know, let's start shooting our shot a little more and a little more and a little more. And, uh, and everybody was just so kind and not you, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Um, yeah, not you, Jessica, the only person who still the only person. Yep. Ghosted us twice. 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 So if you actually got her on your show, which I know some of you have, consider it a blessing. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, we the, so just having Jim on was huge, and it was such a great discussion, and it's just such a nice guy. We had him on a couple times, and uh, that was huge. I I really really liked Mike Petriello. I th- I thought that his discussion, and this was right after. Um, they had done the uh, the Statcast broadcast for I, th- I think that was in 2018 as well, and just really, really down to earth explanations of some of the the advanced stuff that you know g- going into um, some of the the really advanced stuff it really turns some people off be- just because it's hard to talk about some of it without sounding pretentious. Um, but Mike did such a wonderful job of explaining all of that and just. Like he made it, he makes it cool. It's it's hard to not just make it not nerdy, but also to kind of make it cool. And and I thought Mike made it cool. And when we interviewed Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, I would have been completely fine with never having another guest ever after that. Same thing. So nice. So just a humongous influencer in the way that things go now. Like every single buddy knows the pitching ninja, and was so willing to come on and and gave us way more time than we asked for and we kept him after time and he was like no go ahead we're fine we just keep going and uh i think that was it for me and also uh when we finally got braves options guy on (laughs) he's been such a good friend like (laughs) like in real life too you know it's 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 always been um it's very siloed you know the people that like my real life friends, there's like Jason, Steven, and Braves Options guy. And then there's like the Twitter people. And then, you know, it's like everybody is separate from each other and all these different things. So it's like to get somebody who who can, who is bridging both sides of that and stepping from one silo to another. You know what I mean? It's like, it's super, it was super cool to, to get him on. And uh, so shout out to you, Braves Options guy. What about you, Dylan? I, th- I know that you were you always love the Petriello episode. We talked about that one a lot. You and I, I think both. That's my yeah yeah. That's probably my all time favorite episode because you want to talk about like a hail mary. Yeah, uh, right. That was a complete hail mary. Did not expect him to to agree to come on. That was also right around the time when Adam Ottavino had said that he would K uh, Babe, Babe Ruth on three pitches, <laughs> and the world was freaking out. Uh, that is also where we talked about with Mike about the Coors effect. Uh, for for hitters uh, and and for pitchers for that matter, but why hitters uh, would would have this drastic difference at cores versus away from cores when it would come to off speed pitches? That's where we first dug into. For those of you that wonder why, like or where I got this idea about how you know hitters in Colorado, you don't really look at the first year that they leave; you need to look at the second because they don't see breaking balls there. That was from something that Mike Petriello had wrote, and we talked with Mike extensively about that. Uh, during that episode, it's one of my all-time favorites. It was a really loose, fun interview where he he uh, touched. We touched on a bunch of subjects with him with a bunch of players. That's an all-time favorite of mine. The Brian Bridges episode will always oh, be a very yeah. special episode to me. Oh, that was so good. Uh, the only front office guy we ever got. Uh, <laughs> but a really really cool take, and it was really cool to hear him talk about prospects that weren't like big time prospects. We specifically made him talk about guys that weren't big time con uh, prospects because we couldn't speak to him at the time about uh, uh, old buddy who uh, uh, when ended up going to Japan. Uh, Carter Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carter Stewart. We couldn't we we couldn't talk to him about that at the time because it was right around the time where all of that was going down. 
So that was off the table. But he ended up telling the story about how the reason how um, Riley Delgado got signed was because Chipper happened to be at one of the open workouts that Delgado was at and loved to swing and said, that kid can hit. And the Braves went and signed Riley Delgado after that. Just little cool stories like that. I uh, believe he actually was uh, pretty happy with Grayson Genista and a few other little small guys. We talked to him about Drew Lugbauer as well. We talked to him about Christian Pache uh, and Drew Waters a little bit. Uh, we, we've covered so many of those. There have been a lot of, of really good... Any Garav episode, by the way? Yeah. Uh, love having Garav on. Cause he's just such a fun guy. Uh, weirdly enough, the first Taylor episode with Taylor Blake Ward, the first time we had him on where it was like a jackhammer going on in the background. It was it was so outrageous and it took like three hours to get one hour's worth of content because we had to keep hanging up and call it back. Uh, that was one of my favorites to do. Taylor's a, just a fantastic guy. Love Taylor to death. Loved having him on. Uh, and then the other one that I really... Lane, Lane Adams was a fantastic person to have on. Super, super fun to talk about. Uh, I mean, I talked with him after the show for probably like an hour and a half, just wearing his ear out. But also Kylie McDaniel. That Kylie episode mm-hmm. was a whole lot of fun for me. Uh, it was another one where I wasn't expecting to get Kylie. He was on, was he on ESPN at the time. Uh, he was actually working for ESPN at the time, I believe. Um, we started talking to him about Tucker Davidson because this is before a certain other podcast had claimed the Tucker Davidson fandom. We uh, This was back in, was this 2018 or Swiss early 2019? Might have been early 2019. I think it was 2019. Um, because we had just started talking about Tucker. This was after he had the big gigantic velo jump where he started working at, uh, where he started working a driveline, started hitting 100. And started having those 104 pulldowns. And we talked to Kylie about him specifically. Uh, talked about Kyle Muller a little bit. That was a fun episode. I was glad Kylie was able to give us some time. We talked a lot about some of the lower down draft picks, including your guy, uh, Victor Vodnik, was in those discussions as well. There was a lot. There's really been a ton of guests. Uh, the Brit Giroli episode, which will go down in history as, my, <laughs> as one of my worst blunders, where... I wasn't recording for the best part of that interview uh, where we were talking about Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer specifically, and I was not recording for it. Uh, That is one of those that it's a true shame that I'm such an idiot because that was phenomenal content. Uh, There have been a few of those along the way. Sorry, Rakes. Rakes is probably the most prominent one because he never lets me forget it about how on a week that Doc was out, uh, Rakes filled in for Doc. We had a great episode, too. And I just never hit record for some dumb reason. I thought, I thought the site recorded it automatically. I didn't know that I had to press record. So <laughs> just completely lost the episode. Felt so bad. Uh, God. Um, you know, I actually really liked when we had um, uh, Ralph Lifshitz on, or you know, Jeff Pontes, as everybody knows him now. But right. this was back when he was known as Ralph. Uh, that was a fun one to do. It was one of our more fantasy-focused episodes, which we didn't do a lot of. Uh, and I really enjoyed having Connor from Driveline Hitting on. Yeah. That was one of my f- personal favorites. That's the only time where I've been able to kind of get into like the real ins and outs of hitting. That's one of my all-time favorites. I'll go back and listen to that episode every now and then just because that one was so much fun talking to him about uh, uh, the player at the time whose name we couldn't say at the time. Now we could say it was Brett Cumberland. A um, lot of fun. Good episode. Really, really bright guy. But there, there's really... I don't think I ever did an episode. Actually, since this is our finale, I'll be real honest. Um, my least favorite episode was the one with John Boy. 
that was actually, I thought that was our worst episode. I did not like that episode at all while we were recording it. I didn't like the setup of it. I didn't like the way that it, that it sounded. That was, that was the only episode ever in our entire 173 episode run where once it was done, I was like, God, that episode sucked. I didn't say anything to anybody. Like, I didn't say anything to you. I didn't say anything to him. But in my head, I was like, God, that episode sucked. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't have to say it. I knew it sucked too. Yeah, we we blew that. We blew that one big time. But you know, out, out listen, of, I'm not going to say we blew that. I blew that. I'll let y'all think who blew that. We didn't blow that. 173 episodes. There's bound to be a stinker in there. I just wish that it hadn't been somebody that was you know, pretty nationally recognized person who was. It was funny, too, because that was the first one where you've ever come to me and been like, hey, can we have him on? I was like, yeah, sure, of course. Like, I didn't know who John Boy was. I probably should have explained that. (laughs) I had no idea who he was. I didn't know, like, because we had a strict rule for most of our guests through probably the first two and a half seasons of we only wanted... If we were going to have like a non-Braves Twitter guest, essentially, if we were going to have like an authority, it needed to be an authority, like somebody who knew the stuff that we like to talk about as far as analytics and things like that. We wanted people that could go in depth a little bit. Uh, and I, we didn't have many episodes with, with guys that you kind of had to hold their hand a little bit. Uh, and we didn't have any, we didn't really have many episodes of, of guys that weren't on that same wavelength. John Boy was, was, John Boy and Pitching Ninja are probably the only two episodes we did with guys that weren't like specifically involved with like covering analytics or writing about stuff uh and, and you know with uh with john boy it was different because you were a much bigger because i had i genuinely had no idea who he was so like i had no idea why you were so excited but you were so excited that i wanted to pretend like i was super excited too so that you didn't feel bad no, it was so kind and that whole episode was so bad it was really kind of you no but i mean we we that was the year that we did like the um we would get somebody from every division on to, to help yep. kind of pre- do, do the MLB preview. And, uh, yeah, we front-loaded the episode with too much talk about the, the John Boy rise to prominence. And then we talked about the AL East for 45 seconds. He mentioned Shim Yamaguchi, and then it was like, well, thanks for coming on. <laughs> so, you know, but whatever. It, it So it goes. And But, I mean, there were also so many. I wonder how many episodes we had that were really good that nobody heard because we didn't have any listeners at the, at the very beginning. But uh, that's true. It it probably took till episode what probably twenty five or when was it that we first broke the three hundred listener streak? Because that was a big deal for us. Yeah, I mean it was like on opening episode day, twenty right? maybe. Yeah. No episode. Or, or no, episode no, I mean like fifteen for, or twenty. It was. It took a while, you know. I mean, and we we did get kind of lucky in that. When right when we started, that was when I started writing for Talking Chop too. And so, like when the announcement got made that you know they they posted that I was going to be joining the team, and um, then I got like hunt. I had I don't know six hundred followers at the time, and then r- within a week of, yeah, of them having that. posted that, I had like twenty five hundred uh, or something. So, and a lot of the back when I had like a hundred and twenty. Yeah, very auspicious beginnings for us both. But I think that just you know we got lucky. I wasn't anticipating any kind of bump because of that, but it was. I think that. Um, when it was like, oh, this guy makes content. I'll follow his writing and I'll follow his podcast too. You know, like I, I, I think that was some of it. And if if you're listening to this and that is your story, well, then thank you because that means you've been around for four years. Um, but you know, I, I just, I still wouldn't do anything different. You know what I mean? Because like, look, no. we there were, we owe a lot to you know. 
I listened to ABT before we did before we did this stuff, and you know there were there were some good there were some good podcasts. And uh, I'm gonna be real honest, I didn't hardly listen to anybody else's podcast before we started. No, and and no offense to anybody else's podcast who's still running. That was on when we started up. I didn't listen to much of y'all. I, mean, I listened to a little bit of ABT every once in a while. But it, that that kind of underscores like why we existed, right? Where it was like there are good podcasts out there, but there's not one that quite hits the vibe that we're looking for. Which it's not just right. two dudes sitting talking about baseball because Nakahoma kind of had that had that cornered. But it was there was like either super stuffy or super loose, and we're like we need to be in the middle here. And I feel like. I feel like we did a really good job of that. And I don't know. Look, I I know that nobody listens to a podcast for four years if they're just kind of lukewarm about it. So for anybody who has been, who has taken the time to listen to us, it is, you'll never understand how much that means. Um, And I don't know whether or not we, we were anybody's favorite podcast for real, but we were mine and we were yours. And I think, that at the end of the day, we both really believed in what we were doing, and uh, and and now it's like if if we hadn't won the World Series, it 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 would suck to to say like we're gonna walk away, and you know we'll always wonder if we'd h- held out for one more year. Like I th- I think about the ABT guys, and like dude, they made it fifteen years. They did five hundred and one episodes, and the next season, you know. That's insane. By it's the way. crazy. That is a long time. It's hard. It was hard for us as a two-person ensemble to make it as long as we did. Imagine being three people and having to coordinate schedules for that long. Yeah, going four or three and three-quarter times longer than we did. You know, so um, this is weird. This is really, really weird. This whole recap and it's the first time I've ever done one of these. By the way, I know it's like, I, and th- this is I'm going to take this kind of kind of bleak for a second, but like my uh, when my grandma passed in 2014, she still lived in the town that I grew up in, this tiny little podunk town called Eden, North Carolina, and it was the first time that I'd been there in five years. And after she passed, it was like. I'm never coming back here, and I know that. And I realized that when I had like 24 hours left in town. So all of a sudden, every time I look at something, I'm like, this is the last time I'll ever see this. This is the last time I'm ever going to see that. This is the last time I'm ever going to drive by this Biscuitville. It's the last time I'm ever going to drive by that Roses that's been closed down since 1987. Why has nobody torn that down yet? You know? And you start <laughs> like getting deep in these these philosophical things where it's like, every time you know I'm looking in my software and I'm seeing how long we've recorded, and I'm like, you know, we're we're probably getting pretty close to done here, but I don't, I don't <laughs> want to not. It going. Yeah, like I know all of the reasons that we have to stop. Nothing has changed about the reasons why we have to stop. But I want to stop. You know, this show pulled me out of like a a a mental hole. It gave me something to look forward to every single week, and this has been like. So much joy. I didn't even think that when we started this, I honestly didn't think that I would be interesting enough or well-spoken enough to get through this. And now, like, I talk for a living, and it is specifically because <laughs> of this show. They have they have designate, designate, of course I'm screwing up saying this, they have designated me to do voiceovers for stuff at work because of what my boss's boss described as my quote-unquote perfect podcast voice. And I'm like, come on. Are you kidding me? So, 
I, it's funny how it all works out, man. You just find that perfect parent and get going. And I had no idea. I mean, I told you already when when you came on and did that shell shocked episode that ended up running three hours long, with most of it not even being on the air, just us talking Braves. That was when I kind of knew that I wanted to do a Braves podcast, and that was it. Uh, it sometimes you just find that perfect pairing. This was, I think, that I honestly, this was a perfect pairing. I couldn't have done this show without anybody else. I like to think that you probably wouldn't have stuck around with anybody else <laughs> for this long. Uh, <laughs> help that you always got to be the voice of reason on this show. Uh, but I think that's why we went together so well. And it helped a lot. I relied on your draft coverage so much early on before I started kind of... Because when we first started this, it hadn't been that long since I had quit playing. Yeah. And I wasn't paying attention to people that were relatively close to my age. Uh, Call it just ego. Where I didn't want to cover people that were my age or younger breaking into the game. So I just didn't have, like, I didn't take any time to look at, like, high school prospects or college prospects or any of that. I was too focused on playing myself. I wasn't, I didn't care about any of that. So getting that onto here and and digging in as deep as we got, I actually had to start doing, I had to really start getting into it once we started the show up. I'm far more analytically inclined now than I was before we started the show. Yeah, me too. Uh, Me too. A a whole lot more. Um, But I think it, it just works so well because... What I was weak at, you were strong at. And, and one thing that you and I have never had an issue doing with each other is uh, letting the other one be the authority, if, if that's what it needs to at the time. So it just works out since we're genuinely friends anyway. It's just, you know, sitting around talking like we would be doing normally. It just happens to be two microphones there. Uh, so genuinely, it has been uh, one of the best things that I've ever done. It's one of the things that I am the most proud of, of doing. Um, and even even listeners aside, it's I, I love all of you that have listened to the show for four years. I love it. I've loved every person that has reached out to tell us how much they love it. Uh, I love the interactions we've had because of it. I love the guests that we've met because of it. But genuinely, I'm, I would have been proud of this show if we'd never gotten above 100 listeners. This is genuinely one of those where when I listen back, this is one of my favorite podcasts ever. Not just because you know, I'm on it, because trust me done a lot of podcasts where i've hated listening to myself um most of locked on i hate it uh, i i hated most of my own individual shows on locked on i don't i'm a hard person to work with i don't like a lot of structure i don't like a lot of pre-planning i like things to flow i like things to be very free and organic and call it the call it artistic call it lazy just call it i don't know call it whatever you want but i don't like a lot of structure and that's really hard to work with a lot of times when you're sitting around and riffing because you get rambly and i have a tendency to as well so having somebody here who's able to be structured or at least be able to to take my incoherent ramblings and throw them into an actionable point has been has actually been really good for my career. As you guys know, uh, you know, I, I started out when we started doing this. I was an intern with Six Eighty the Fan. Uh, I am a fill-in host with them now. Did a lot of stuff last year uh, during the playoffs uh, for baseball and also for for college football a little bit as well. Um, and I, I'd been doing that for a while, but. Doing this show is what actually, I I should put it this way, I got a lot better at radio aspects and how to project myself and how to actually speak as far as doing a a show. A lot of that came from this show and a lot of that came from the way that that Doc has been able to help keep me structured. I've always been able to just talk, um, but I needed... 
I needed an ability to kind of structure myself and, and kick myself when I was starting to ramble and, and kind of tease things along the way and keep things not not buttoned down, but tightened up enough to where you can tell that there's a thought in there. And uh, I wouldn't have gotten there, actually, without Doc. Like, like Doc has been the one that, that's actually gotten me to the point of where I'm at now in my radio career. So um, great things that have always come out of the show. And uh, I, I am genuinely going to miss doing this show. Um, we're still going to text all the time. Oh yeah. Um, oh. I'm still going to, I'm still going to annoy doc to no end. Uh, Twitter people, you're, you're not going to get rid of me. Uh, I'm, I've been debating whether we leave the TPS page up. I think I'm going to leave it up actually. Uh, it's sort of a little memento. Um, we probably won't be on it nearly as much, but, uh, we both have the login. So, you know, maybe once in a while we'll, we'll do a little, a little tease there, or a little, a little post here and there. But, uh, I think I kind of want to leave it up. I don't think I can pull the plug on the on the Twitter page. Honestly, I was thinking about it. I was going to do it. I don't think I can. Um, but uh, we're getting dangerously close to the end here. Ah, it's the first time I've said that in a while. Hey, it um, wouldn't be that a, is, it wouldn't be a TPS. <laughs> One of my favorite things that has happened in our last year, thanks to uh, Rakes for pointing this out all the time, is is the number of times that that I say certain things when you can tell that I'm cutting myself off from a thought or I feel like I'm rambling. Things like, running out of time here, and I'll say it like four or five times in an episode and we'll just keep going. Um, but th- there's there's definitely a few things that we both say um, that are unique to us, that are generally us trying to, uh, to consolidate our thoughts really quickly. Uh, you learn little idiosyncrasies like that about each other when you spend so much time doing all this. Actually, to the point um, where... Whenever I would record with Doc, this was back in the first and second seasons of the show, when, or first season really, when we were doing super long hours, uh, two, three hour long shows. And anytime that I would call Doc or Doc would call me, uh, my wife would come home from work. Question would be like, oh, talking to your boyfriend, huh? Because uh, <laughs> I'd spend more time talking to you than I'd spend talking to her on those days. So uh, it, it was just funny like that. Uh, getting to meet Val the first time was amazing. Uh, love you both. And, uh, I don't know. It, it, this is a very weird feeling. It's a it's a somber occasion. It's very sad. But th- there've been so many good things that have come from this show. Like I, I can't be that sad about it because it's not like the show's going to stop all of a sudden. I'm gonna, you know, you'll, we'll we'll see. You'll see what's going to happen with me soon. Uh, and then I'm still going to annoy the crap out of you. I mean, as soon as the season actually does get underway, it's not things aren't going to really change between you and me. Other than now, everybody else doesn't get to listen to us do all this. So I should say uh, I feel more sorry for everybody else. That uh, I mean, I feel good that that people aren't going to have to listen to my my angry takes all the time. I will say that uh, before we do close on this, um, I think I'm going to pick a few takes of ours that uh, that that you can say were TPS takes, and, and nobody else was doing it at the time. First and foremost, uh, we were one of, if not the only, places of any sort of actual authority or whatever, uh, whatever you want to say, podcasters or radio voices or whoever, um, that was saying that this Braves team was a team that was going to make a deep run in the postseason with or without Ronald Acuna, by the way. We said it when the team wasn't doing good at the deadline, and we said it again when Ronald Acuna went down, that this was still a team that even without Ronald Acuna – was one of the most well-balanced teams in baseball. And that proved to be very prophetic. Yeah, I, I don't remember how how this happened, but the episode from right after the Braves 
be the Brewers in the NLDS. That episode came up in my Facebook feed like two days ago. This episode is from October, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll listen to this. Let's see what's going on. And and something that I did say there is, you know, my, most of most of my takes are kind of take or leave. But this one, it was it was talking about how if you if you get to the playoffs, you know, which we obviously had, but like just in general, if you get to the playoffs, you don't have to have a perfect roster. That's where having like a top heavy roster kind of benefits you. You cut the fat, you lean on just Will Smith, Tyler Matzik, Luke Jackson. You lean on just Charlie Morton, Max Friedy, and Anderson, where you're not having to worry about some of the other, the uh, less reliable options that the team was actually very well, uh, very well designed for the playoffs. And that wound, that wound up being true. Um, I'm sure that I, I said all types of prophetic things early, earlier in, in the uh, in the TPS days, but I don't know about you. I'm not going to go listen to those because my use of idiot words hopefully has decreased in the past couple of years. I'm not saying, um, well, I mean, you know, like, and it's not that, I ha- that I'm not saying those things, uh, just not as much. I think another one of our takes, by the way, that I'm going to take to our grave um, the Waskar Noah thing, you and I talking about it last year when we were still in when it was spring training still going on, and Waskar was having those one innings at a time, where he'd be great, and then his last inning he'd get shelled a little bit, or somebody would miss a play that they that if you'd have had all the starters in would have been made pretty easily. And you and I were were I was a little bit more dogmatic than you at the time because uh, I had fallen in love with the slider, but we were both pretty dogmatic that no, nah, he's a starter and. and he should probably get this spot. And then the rest is history for that year. We were dogmatic in the don't send him to the pen thing. Like, he, you know, why would you send him to the pen until he actually shows you that he needs to? Uh, we did have quite a few clunkers over the years. Um, Tyrell Jenkins was one of those. Um, <laughs> we had the, do you remember the segments that we would do uh, about a busted prospect? <laughs> and... Uh, oh. Matt Lipka found the episode. <laughs> yeah, the we we got. I'm sorry, Matt. We got I think three one star reviews in the history of the show. One was <laughs> one of them was Matt Lipka. Yeah, and one of them was a a former busted prospect who got mad that we called him a busted prospect. We did, oh, dude. God. We honestly, we were so unkind to him. We should probably write him a letter. <laughs> that was that was mean. It's, it was none of it was untrue, but it was very no. mean. I mean, at least we didn't do him first. I think we hit Christian Betancourt first. Um, oh, yeah, but there, there was, was the Luis Gohara thing where we talked about Gohara all of eighteen, and then what happened with him happened. We discussed Sean Newcomb through all different aspects of Sean Newcomb. See, we can do uh, this, and now. you can clearly tell from the jump that I'm just angry that Angelton Simmons is gone and Sean Newcomb is here. And that it wouldn't have mattered how good Sean Newcomb was. I was never going to like him. And it was just purely because Angelton Simmons was gone. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's so crazy to, to think back to some of those takes four years ago. And really just how much some of these guys have improved. I mean, four years ago, Ozzy Albies was supposed to be a light-hitting speed demon who could field a little bit. Uh, not a guy that was supposed to give you you know, a 330-350 OBP with 25-plus homers every year. Um, we weren't we knew Ronald Acuna, but didn't know him know him the way that we know him now. Certainly not to the level that we know him now. Um, we talked about Dansby a little bit, not much. Uh, all we really talked about from Dansby was how he was, you know, he was a one-one, but really probably should have not been one-one because Alex Bregman was there. 
Uh, we've, we've covered so many different rises, and we've seen so many players make debuts. Uh, little small ones like that are, are big deals. And some of my favorite episodes were when we would have the prospects on. Like Justin Dean was yeah. a ton of fun. He's a great guy who I always root for. Patrick Weigel was great. Bruce Zimmerman was awesome, yeah. even though it was one of those <laughs> where we had this running thing going where as soon as we talked about somebody, as soon as we had somebody on the show, they were either traded or released from the organization. Jared James Jared was one James. of those. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we, had, we had a few of those guys on, and then it dried up real quick once it became readily apparent that coming our show was a death knell for you. Yeah. So you're welcome, Trey Harris, for for not actually getting getting you on. Actually, maybe maybe I'm sorry. Maybe you'd have a clearer path to the big leagues if you'd been traded to the to the right. Orioles or something. There was a lot of them like that, and there were a lot of prospects that you and I were in love with that did not work out. That were low level lower level guys. Yeah. Uh, Izzy Wilson, still my boy. <laughs> I still believe in Izzy. John Carlos Encarnacion. Uh, I mean, there there were quite a few of those guys. We've had a number of takes over the years, and. Uh, I do think that we're ending this at the right time. Getting this after a World Series title is uh, is definitely the way to go out. Go out on top whenever you can. So uh, I think for me, I, th- I think that's all I've got. I don't know if you've got anything else you want to say here before we end, but we're uh, I think I'm tapped out. You know, um, just <laughs> before I forget, uh, there are six fake ads I was never able to complete, but I don't want to deprive you of the names. So this final episode of the Platinum Sombrero, in addition to being brought to you by our friends at Sports Drink, is brought to you is brought to you by Baby Got Plaque, The Freestyle Alarm Clock, L. Ron's Cupboard, Easel Knievel, Meat Bids, and Jurassic Perk. I started fake ads for each of those and was not able to complete them, so I do apologize, and I know that there has been some debate on Twitter and also on the show for what the best fake ad was. It was the emotional support bra. And to me, it's not even close. Um, but, uh, also thank you to our, our listeners that when we started unveiling those, cause we probably did like 15 or 20 of them. And they, they, to me were hysterical. I don't know if anybody in the world found them as funny as I did, but I would just, I was like writing that, writing the ads, writing the copy for these. Like there, there were times at my old job, where I would just like take an hour and just start writing fake ads. <laughs> and, and a lot of I mean, these, I think we can clearly say heavy metal crayons is the goat. That was, you see, that is, that is still the best piece of ad content I've ever heard in my life. My mother-in-law is the one who uttered the phrase heavy metal crayons for the first time. We were sitting in Rumi's kitchen and I just remember having to like pull my phone out and say, I'm really sorry. I need to write a couple of things down real quick. And they're looking at me like, Oh, I don't know what this is or what you're writing down exactly. But uh, so many of those were just like, I I talked a lot about my friends, Matt and Andrew that I used to live with in like 2006. And we would just come up with these like for no reason. It was like a punchline without a joke, you know? And, and like the department of sequel control and bridges and hose, which that was another really good one. That was a good one. Um, those were both song titles because Andrew and I have been making music together since 2004. So that was kind of like how we would put the put the punchline out into the universe. And so when we started doing this, I remember saying to you, like, I have this idea for maybe some of these, like, and I sent you the Edgar Allan Potpourri ad and you're like, okay, so somebody, and I think this is how, back when they were uh, Armchair Media, I think Andrew, different Andrew, Andrew Stevens, heard that 
and thought we had real sponsors because I was doing going to great lengths to read these like they were actual sponsors, you know? And uh, and that was what you had said. You're like, somebody's going to hear this and think it's real. Somebody's going to go and look for Edgar Allan Potpourri or look for a Boys to Men's Warehouse or a Lance Bass Pro Shop somewhere and going to be really mad when they can't find it. Um, but, but you know, we, we got a bigger reach um, because we got absorbed into sports drinks. So uh, just a couple, couple things before, before we sign off. Um, to... Any of for to to Andrew Stevens, who put us on the Armchair Media Network and which eventually became Sports Drink and is becoming like a very big, it's becoming a big deal. Thank you for for that exposure. Thank you for everything. That's huge. To as I as I mentioned before, to my friends, the Braves Options guy, Stephen Waters, Jason Reeves. My real-life friends who listen to the podcast, it is very few people that don't get enough of me in person and just have to listen to me on the podcast as well. You guys are awesome, and it is such a joy, and I, I am so excited to talk to you guys about this stuff in person and, and have you be able to like say things back. Having a conversation, I think is what they call that. Uh, to... To the people that have been around for for years, or or if you just got here, for anybody that just discovered us like last week or the, during the last episode, and you were really excited about a long and fruitful history or future with the with the platinum sombrero, <laughs> I'm really sorry you found us at the wrong time. Um, but as as I've alluded to a lot, I I felt I really struggled a lot. With, with my mental health before before this show. And this wasn't the only reason why I got better, but I had felt very irrelevant for a long time, which is kind of a cornerstone of, of mental health issues. And uh, even though I wasn't, this show made me feel relevant. And a lot of that is because people kept coming back and kept engaging us and were tweeting at us whenever somebody would have four strikeouts in the seventh inning. And like, we got, we got a platinum sombrero watch, <laughs> you know, that became like such an awesome running thing. And God, the, you know, we pissed off a lot of people over the years and, and some <laughs> of them came back, you know, and just so cool, man. And, and Dylan, you're right. We would have done this show even if nobody was listening. And, and in some cases nobody was, but our audience gave us a, it was a great, great audience, very interactive, very, <clears throat> very special and uh, challenged us. And anytime we would do like a mailbag, we would always get really good questions, not just for Braves related, but also for, for extra innings. And most of the, the big name guests, I would, I would guess that none of the big game Big name guests that we got, you know, through Pitching Ninja and Mike Petriello and everybody. Probably never going to hear this, but thank you anyway. And uh, Dylan, thank you for being a friend. That's right. And uh, Cam and Alex over at Chatting Average, don't screw this up. <laughs> yeah, that that was the torch passing episode. So you run with it. Yeah. Don't, don't screw this up. Uh, make sure you follow them. Make sure you follow the NL Feast. Those guys are awesome as well. Uh, make sure you keep following Sports Drink. As, as Doc said, Andrew has been phenomenal all the way through here. Even when we were on some other networks as well, Andrew was always super cool, uh, very loose, kept it going with us, let us have full creative control over everything, and just kind of wanted to be along for the ride. Love those guys. Uh, they've got a great lineup over there as well, so make sure you're following along with them. Um, 
I'll have some more news for you guys about what's happening with me as soon as I can. Could be as early as tomorrow, maybe maybe early next week. But I'll have some news for you uh, on on the personal front for myself. But uh, for docking myself, this is uh, this is going to be the final sign off here. So uh, thank you guys for tuning into the Platinum Sombrero for uh, four seasons. Love you guys. Thank you all so so very much. Can't really tell y'all exactly how much uh, how much we appreciate it, but uh, we'll we'll be around here during the season. You can always tweet at us or whatever. But as uh, as it stands now, this is going to be the final sign off. So thank you guys so much, and uh, we will not see you next time right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thanks, bye. bye.